Hallelujah. God's on the move. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated and uh, let's open our Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 11. And we're going to do part two on press through until you break through. The word press again means to steadily apply weight or force to move by force in a certain direction or in a certain position. I I was meditating a little bit on that definition of press. To steadily apply the weight or force to move by force in a certain direction or in a certain position. And this thought came up on the inside of me. Not through the force of flesh, but through the force of faith. You know, sometimes when a, a person needs a breakthrough, they can get all lathered up and worked up and try to do things in the natural or do things in the flesh. Anybody ever been there before? But it's not the flesh that's the victory that overcomes the world. It's faith that's the victory that overcomes the world. It's not the spirit of the flesh or the spirit of the world, but it is the spirit of God who has placed the spirit of faith on the inside of you. So as you're moving toward your breakthrough, on that road to your breakthrough, know this one thing, that Jesus already broke through for you, and that breakthrough is just a matter of time before it manifests in your life. Amen? And so you don't want to see yourself as a person constantly needing a breakthrough. You want to call those things that be not as though they were and call it well, call it strong, call it paid for. Amen. And of course, praise the Lord, there will be things that come your way, just like they came to Abraham's way. But Abraham didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief because he considered not. Say this with me. He staggered not because he considered not. If Abram had considered the deadness of Sarah's womb and the fact that he was almost a hundred years old, he would have not have seen the promise fulfilled in his life. And I think oftentimes when we need breakthroughs, we have a tendency to consider too much the circumstances and consider too much what's in front of us rather than staggering not because we have a promise from God and he is the one who keeps his promises. He watches over his promises on your behalf and my behalf. Amen. So we got the great promise keeper. We have his word. So we don't want to, to get this mentality, a wilderness mentality. We want to have a promised land victory mentality. But on the road, there are some things we can do and there's some opposition that we will face. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at 1 Corinthians 14, 11. It says, and he went up to Baal Perazim and David struck the Philistines down there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a bursting flood. And as we said last week, glory to God, when the favor of God and the goodness of God and the God of the breakthrough is on your side, it's like a flood of his goodness, a flood of his favor, a flood of healing, a flood of new opportunity. Amen. And so we looked at a lot of that last week. Let me just define to you again what breakthrough means. An act or instance of removing or surpassing an obstruction or a restriction. 
and we rehearse some of the breakthroughs we've all had as a church. It also means the movement or advance all the way through and beyond an enemy's front line defense. And I love this one. Any significant southern ad- sudden advance, development, achievement, or increase that removes a barrier to progress. A breakthrough is an explosion of His goodness. It's when suddenly God releases His power in such a way that it overwhelms you and drives out your enemies. Now, in the second service, if you were not in there last week, the Lord gave me a few thoughts that I want to share with you very quickly. Number one, don't break down on the verge of a breakthrough. Don't break down on the verge of a breakthrough. Or we could say it this way, hold fast to God's word. In Hebrews, it says, let us hold fast the profession or the confession of our faith without wavering because he is faithful that what? He that promised. So don't shut down, stay stirred up, stay prayed up. Stay worded up. Stay in church. And the second thing that the Lord gave me was this. Not only don't shut down, but then don't separate yourself from other believers. Amen? Don't separate yourself. Don't become like the Lone Ranger. Amen? We need one another. Thank God. Every one of us have got a shield of faith. And the shield of faith in those days, what they would do is they would take that huge shield and they would lock those shields together. So that when the enemy came with his fiery darts, it was impenetrable. And that's the value of the local church. That's the value of being in prayer meetings. Because together, we're much stronger, amen, than we are by ourselves. And then the third thought the Lord gave me is, keep your cares on him. Don't take the care of it. And then run to him. The Bible says if we will come close to God, what will he do? He will come close to us. If we will draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Don't you know that his everlasting arms are big? And once you cast your cares on him, keep them over on him. He's able to take care of it. And the scripture the Lord gave me was Deuteronomy 33, 27, which says the eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before you and shall say, destroy them. Destroy them. Let me ask you a question in review of last week. What sound is the God of the breakthrough looking for coming out of your mouth? It's the sound of faith, but it's also the sound of what? Praise and worship. Just like they did in 2 Chronicles 20. They went out and praised the Lord for His mercy endures forever. And the enemy got so confused that they started slaying and destroying one another. Oh, thank God. Now this morning, what I want to do for the time that we have is I want to look at the life of Nehemiah. We could definitely spend a great deal of time on this subject. But I think for the balance of the time that I have left this morning... I'm going to center in on Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great illustration of breaking through, of pressing toward the mark 
for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you don't know much about Nehemiah, Nehemiah was used to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And the walls around Jerusalem were in rubble and in great decay. And it only took 52 days to do it. Nehemiah was a man that was a servant. And he was a captive in exile. And he was the cupbearer for the king. A cupbearer for the king would give the king advice. A cupbearer for the king was a very trusted person. And you would never, never want to go before the king with a sad look on your face. Because it was deemed as an insult, as a cupbearer. You know what a cupbearer would do? He would taste the wine for the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. He was willing to lay himself on the line completely and entirely for the king. So the cupbearer, Nehemiah, came in one day. He was very sad. It was a great insult to be sad before a king because it was supposed to be an honor to serve the king. So you always had to kind of have this smile on your face, whether real or fake. And... Uh, and if you walked in there sad and the king was in a bad mood, he could say off with his head. Yeah. And so he came in there one day and, and the, the king says, what's wrong? Why, why are you so sad? What, what, what's going on in your life? Well, I want to pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. I'm looking at it in the NIV. It says, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah and with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the Babylonian exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said, those who survived exile are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. And so the walls were down because of Babylonian captivity. They tore down the temple. They tore apart the palaces. They ransacked everything and just left it in a ruin. And when Nehemiah had heard this, it touched his heart. Immediately knew on the inside of him that I had to do something about this. God put a passion in his heart. Has God ever put something in your heart to where you knew that something needed to be done about this? Amen. Thank you for that week. Amen. I want you to know that God didn't forget about Jerusalem and he hasn't forgotten about you. So the first thing that Nehemiah did was Nehemiah went to prayer. And so he approached the king in fear and in trembling. And when he got into the presence of the king, he asked him from some very important things. First of all, he told him the story about his country and his nation, that it was in ruins. And uh, he, it touched the king. And so Nehemiah pressed through the fear. And on your way to a breakthrough, you got to press through fear. Say it with me, God didn't give me a spirit of fear but a power and love and a sound mind. So Nehemiah pressed through and asked the king for lumber. He asked him for transportation and letters of approval so that people would know that he had the king's approval. And the king gave him all he needed. Do we not serve a king that gave us letters? 
do we not serve a king that has given us supplies? Hallelujah. We have access to all that Christ has done for us through the word of the living God. So you know Nehemiah's happy. You know he's feeling good about it. He's going back and he says, I'm going to cause by the grace of God these walls to be built again. I mean, it was a miracle. And so he pressed through the fear. And then when he got there, there were three supposedly brethren, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, that didn't like the fact that he was there on behalf of the welfare of the city of Jerusalem. And they got really upset. How many of you know that the enemy will always oppose the will of God? Opposition comes, and opposition will try to prevail. And that's why you've got to press through with faith, press through with prayer, and press through with perseverance. What I want to do this morning is I want to give you three ways that we must press through to our breakthrough from Nehemiah's life. Number one, like Nehemiah, we have to, number one, ignore the persecution and the criticism. Number one, we must ignore the persecution and the criticism. You know, the Bible says everyone that lives godly in Christ Jesus is going to suffer. What are we going to suffer? We're going to suffer some persecution. Has anybody ever set out to do the will of God and then criticism came your way? I mean, I've been criticized by experts. Now, there's one or two things you can do when you're criticized by experts. Let them distract you and bring you down or just keep moving down the road. Amen? Now, ignore the persecution. Ignore the criticism. That's what Nehemiah did. So in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 9, I want you to look at that. And then we're going to look at verse 10 and in verse 19 as well. It says, Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. And when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Verse 19. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant of Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing you do? Will ye rebel against the king? In other words, they were trying to make it look like Nehemiah wanted to be the king over everything. They were trying to make it look like a rebellion when all the time Nehemiah was following after the heart of God. And I want you to notice in verse 20, let's pull that up there and let's read that together. In verse 20 of Nehemiah 2, let's read this. Then answered them and said to them, the God of heaven... He will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Amen. You know, it's important to rise up and say something in faith that will shut your enemy's mouth. Amen. In other words, Nehemiah was saying this. 
It doesn't matter if you are against us, God's work will succeed. Hey, and if God be for you, saints, who can be again you? If the Lord be on your side, what difference does it make who's not on your side? The main thing is this, let's be on the Lord's side. And the Lord will make a way, oh, glory to God, where there seemingly is no way in the natural realm. So Nehemiah answered his critics, but he didn't answer them in the flesh. He answered them in the spirit. Now let's look at Nehemiah chapter 4. And you're listening so good. Nehemiah chapter 4. And notice with me in verse 1. It says, but it came to pass when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was very angry and took great indignation and he began to mock the Jews and spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, why do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break their stone wall. Now I want you to pay particular attention. They called it their stone wall. That was a big mistake. The enemy was trying to make it about them. But it wasn't their stone wall that they were building. Come on, somebody. It was God's stone wall. And when you are about your father's business, when you are about your whole life is about him, glory to God, let them say what they want, let them do what they want. But at the end of the day, the beginning of the day and the middle of the day, it's all about God. And if God is on your side, you're going to build that wall. Hallelujah. Amen. Good preaching, pastor. Thank you, Jesus. So they tried to make him doubt, but what they did, they just turned a deaf ear. And here's another important key on your road to manifestation. Nehemiah didn't ever answer his accusers in the flesh. He appealed to God in prayer. How many of you know we're not wrestling against flesh and blood? Our battle is not with mankind but with principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. So in Psalm 121 and verse 1, it's a great scripture. When the pressure is on, when the squeeze is on, where do we go? We go to the rock that's higher than I. A song of degrees. I will lift up my eyes. In other words, I'm not going to consider this because it will cause me to stagger and cause me to stop. Distractions like this have an assignment to distract and eventually to get you to quit. But prayer will keep you focused. Prayer will keep you strong. Now notice this. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where's your help come from? How about this side over here? Where's your help come from? So if your help comes from the Lord, then that's what we ought to be considering. We should be considering him and what he said. If he said it, will he not do it? 
Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Is not God, hallelujah, the God of gods? He's not a man that he should lie. And so I want you to see this. Number one, he ignored the criticism. He ignored the persecution. He kept moving. He kept moving. And all the time while he's moving, he's in communion with the headquarters, the God who gave him the directions. He stayed connected with heaven through prayer. Look at your neighbor and stay connected. See, a lot of people run to the phone instead of running to the throne. But Nehemiah, <laughs> he kept on working. How many of you know that faith has got a tenacity about it? I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. You may have sowed into someone's life for months and even years and even decades. And they went and dissed you. They disrespected you. They said some bad things about you. Your work is not in vain. Because you need to know this. He who began a good work in them, he will complete it. You just commit him to God. Amen? Don't sweat it. Glory to God. Know this, that God is moving on your behalf. Amen? Now, notice this with me. The second thing that we need to do on this way to manifestation. How many of you have ever gotten a manifestation before? All of you have. Amen. But the second thing that's important, and I've discovered this in my life, that we must press through discouragement. Ignore the persecution. Ignore the criticism. Appeal to God in prayer. But then make sure that you have to press through discouragement. And for the sake of time today, I'm having to do a lot of summarization. So I'm going to summarize verses 7 through 12 in Nehemiah chapter 4. And you can read it this afternoon. But let me just give you a word picture of what's taking place. So what Nehemiah, what Sanballat and his crew did, is they set up a conspiracy. And they came together to come and to attack the children of Israel. Now, as the work progressed and as the enemy saw that these guys were serious about it, they took it to another level. Now, what they did is they threatened violence toward them. They threatened them first with words and then they threatened them with violence. But you know something? The enemy is all talk. I said the enemy's all talk. He can talk bad, but I'll tell you one thing, he ain't bad. I said he can talk bad, but he ain't all that bad. Especially if you know that God is all good. Amen? And so it's, it's all talk. But what was happening to the children of Israel here, they were building and they were at it and all of a sudden, many of those in the ranks started to become discouraged. And in essence, here's what they said. You know, the strength of the laborers is failing. And, you know, there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And so some of the ranks got discouraged. 
You know, in life sometimes it seems like there's a lot of rubbish. It seems like there's a lot of things to do, a lot of, lot of work that needs to take place. But don't be moved by the rubbish. God can take that rubbish and move it right out of the way if you will continue to press toward the mark. Amen? And so they were threatened with their lives, and then they started wavering a little bit. And in verse 11, I want you to read this with me. It says, And our adversaries said, They will neither know or see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So here's the picture. They're working, but they're getting tired and they're getting discouraged. I want to pick it up in the NLT in verse 12. In the NLT, it says this. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, They will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest part of the wall in the exposed areas. And I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles. How many of you know it's good to have some nobles? Amen. Amen. And the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord God who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I say to you this morning, is there not a cause? Hallelujah. When you start building the wall, keep on building. Fight because there's a cause. Fighting the good fight of faith will always bring glorious results. Amen. Notice verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans, ha, 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 everyone say, ha, ha, ha. Do a little bit better than that. Go, ha, 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 ha. Devil's been lying to you. Just do this. Ha, ha, ha. Not going to be able to pay your bills. Ha, ha, ha. Somebody says, I wish I had a scripture for that. Well, thank you very much. At destruction and at famine, thou shalt laugh. Amen. Verse 15, again, when our enemies heard that, that we knew that of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half of my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the wall of Judah, who were behind the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. Hallelujah. How many of you know we are clothed with the full armor of God? And in the armor of God, we have a sharp two-edged sword. And so while you're going down the road to your breakthrough, keep moving, keep working, but be watchful and keep that sword sharp. Amen? Keep that sword sharp. And that will cause your enemy to run from you as in tear. Verse 17 again, who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. Don't you love that? And the trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Verse 19. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people. The work is very spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush in to wherever it is sounding. Then, who will fight for us? 
our God will fight for us. Now notice this in verse 21 through 23. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset. And half the men were always on guard. Doesn't the Bible talk about watching and praying? And I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way they had their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. And during this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me ever took off our armor. Amen. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went through water. Hallelujah. So keep your sword sharp. Encourage yourself in the Lord when discouragement comes your way. And last but not least, we learned this lesson from Nehemiah. And this is a very important one. Press through the temptation to compromise. Everyone say, I will press through the temptation to compromise. In Nehemiah chapter 6, notice this. Verses 1 through 4. The enemy will always try to get you to compromise. Now it came to pass when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, and there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. Then Sanballat and Geshem said to me, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Now, the plain of Ono was kind of like a place for vacation, kind of a place just to back off and sort of a, a place to rest. They said, okay, um, the wall's been built, but hey, take a break here. We got some things we want to talk to you about. But notice with me in verse 2, but they thought to do me what? They thought to do me harm. They thought to do me mischief. And verse 3, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I'm doing what kind of work? work. I'm doing a great work. I want you to know today that God has called every one of you to do a great work. I believe that the greatest works that we can do as the people of God is be solid parents. Be great grandparents. It's a great work that God has called you to do. You might be a teacher. That's a great work. It's a great work. Never minimize in any way, fashion, or form the work that God's got you doing. I think so many times in the body of Christ, we we see all these great, explosive, wonderful things being done, and we feel like, well, who am I? What am I? What have I got to bring? You've got a lot to bring. I said, you've got a lot to bring. You've got a lot to do. Say it with me. I'm doing a great work. Hallelujah. You know what? Together here at Heart of the Bay, we're doing a great work. Why? Because he's a great God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. That didn't go over so big. All right. Next. Hallelujah. Verse 3. And I sent mentors unto them saying, I'm doing a great work. (laughs) So, now notice this. I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. 
I'm not going to the valley of Ono. I serve a great God who's lifted me up. And no matter what you may say, no matter what you may do, no matter how you may conspire, I'm not coming down because I'm upheld by the word of his power. I'm not compromising. See, what you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. So that I cannot come down. And why should the work cease? Well, I leave it and come down to you. Notice verse 4, it says, Yet they sent unto me four times after this, and I answered them after the same manner. I want to encourage you, never settle for God's best in your life. The enemy wants to meet you in Ono. But our resounding sound should be, no, Mr. Devil, not me. I'm not coming down. Why should I stop? Remember this, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit will help you. There's a couple barriers. There's a couple barriers to your breakthrough concerning compromise. The first one is compromising God's timing. Sometimes we get tired of waiting on God. (laughs) So what happens? We can take things into our own hands and do it our way. You know, one thing about that is you do it your way, you get your own results. But you do it God's way, you get God's results. Have you discovered that God's results are exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think? God's way is a higher way. God's way is a better way. And God's way is our way. Say that with me. God's way is a higher way. God's way is a better way. And God's way is my way. And last but not least, this is a huge barrier to compromise. What many people do is they live a compromised life. A compromised life. People never get breakthroughs by compromising and living with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. I'm going to ask Pastor Tom to come to the piano right now if you would. You know, my Bible says this. That we are to protect our hearts diligently because out of our hearts flow the issues of life. The scripture tells us very clearly that we're not to be conformed to this world. But we're to be transformed by the renewal of our mind by the word of God. The Lord is looking for people that will sell out to him completely. And I think it's appropriate for me to mention that at this point because God's got such great things for you. So I want to just encourage you to guard what you listen to and watch. Guard who you run around with. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet.